Welcome to Meadowbrook Church, loving Jesus by loving people. For more information about who we are, find us online at www.meadowbrook.ca. Good morning, Meadowbrook. Wow, thank you for that uh, wonderful welcome this morning. My name's Chris, I'm one of the pastors on staff here. I'll be sharing God's word with you this morning. And we're gonna be in Romans chapter eight. If you've got your Bibles, you can meet me there. Romans eight, if you need a Bible, there's a Bible on the pew in front of you. It'll be page 1133 in that Bible. And today we are wrapping up our service called, or our series on the good fight, exploring spiritual warfare. We've been here for the last couple of months tackling some uh, pretty big topics as we dig into this. And as we are getting going today, uh, we have a young man in our church named James Enns, and God has gifted James uh, with various performance art gifts, including spoken word. And so I'm going to invite James to come forward. He's going to share a piece with us this morning as we get going. We are not alone. In you is where God made his home. How can we not live in victory? God has already won. Questioning the purpose of the pain. Why won't our enemies just refrain? Trying to make you believe that you are the blame. When they show up, you won't leave the same. Take every single thought captive. Please don't entertain what is only vain. When my God shows up, they will be forever slain. God will enforce the victory. Till then, the fighting continues assuredly. Not supposed to just be a bystander. Why won't we raise the standard? For the war is waging around us. Don't forget to armor up is a must. Would you rather be exposed, out in the open, openly inviting the fighting? It should be frightening to not hold a sword. Do you hold on to his word? Become a light in a dark world. Be aware that we have an enemy, but God will enforce the victory. To know and believe his strength, crush the snakes of sin, kill all within that keeps you from him. Don't think the thought of giving anything less than everything, for the war still wages. You know this if you turn the pages. God will enforce the victory. Are you sure you are ready? What if you found yourself on the front line? What courage or boldness should you find? Knowing this, God will enforce the victory. Thanks, James. Awesome way to get us started. And as we have been in this series, we have wanted the whole way through to be talking about the fact that we fight from this place of victory. And that we started off uh, seven weeks ago talking about the cross and the resurrection, because everything we talk about in warfare has to start there. That the Bible says that Jesus has won already, and now we are living out of that victory and pushing the darkness back anywhere we find it in our lives. And we've defined spiritual warfare that way as we've gone through this series. Just any in our lives where we are pushing the darkness back because the kingdom of God comes to forcefully advance and we are a part of that advancing as we come against what the enemy wants to do in this world. So we're going to take a look at our text today. We're in Romans chapter 8 and we're going to start in verse 31, page 1133 if you're using the Bible from the pews. And uh, this is just one of the great sort of triumphant passages of scripture and we're going to spend some time in there today. Romans 8, starting in verse 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He, did not, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. 
Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Come on. One of the great encouraging passages in all of Scripture. All of Romans 8 is like that, actually. And in Romans 7 and 8, the Apostle Paul is talking about some of the struggles and difficulties we face in this life. Uh, Romans 7, I think, is one of the most encouraging passages because that's where the Apostle Paul talks about, man, I still struggle with this sin stuff, even though I'm a believer. Uh, I, I know the good I should be doing, and I don't do that all the time. And then there's bad stuff that I know I'm not supposed to do, and I keep falling into that again. And there's this struggle, there's this war going on within me between the, the flesh and the, the good things, the holy things that I'm supposed to be doing, between the, the lure of the enemy and the purity that God calls me to. And he talks about the struggles that we face and our weakness and the battle that we are in. And as he comes through all of that in Romans 7, he moves into Romans 8, which talks about just the hope and the glory and the amazing things that are promised to us in Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We have been set free from that because Jesus has taken the price that should have been paid by us for our sins, and he has dealt with it himself. And so Romans 8 has this incredible, hopeful, encouraging quality to it, and we just want to pull a few things out of it. And it's right from the beginning, Romans 8.31, where we started today. What shall we say then in response to this, in response to the fact that there is an enemy? in response to the fact that there is a lure into sin and a temptation there, in response to the fact that it's not always easy to keep pressing through and persevering, what shall we say in response to these things? Well, we say this. If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is on our side, then what else do we have to worry about? The God who overcame death, the God who created everything by his word, the God who rules over all of creation— and most of the fear and anxiety and stress in my life come when I forget that this is truth. When I forget that this is reality, that God is always on my side. And if he is for me, then who can possibly be against me? What power of hell is possibly of any concern to Jesus? And he is the one who is on our side. We are not alone. There's pictures given in scripture about how God is on our side and how he fights for us and how he protects us. And the Bible says things like he is a hedge of protection around us. He is our refuge. Uh, just an awesome word. He is our safe place. He is the place that we can go to when things are not great in this world. He is our fortress. He is our deliverer. We're not promised that we will never have a problem in this life, but we are promised that there is a deliverer on our side who is with us. He is our defense, our stronghold, and our strength. He is a warrior who fights for us. He is our shield and our savior. And not just the Savior from our sins, although we believe that if we trust and follow Jesus. Not just the Savior from hell, although we certainly believe that if we trust and follow Jesus. He is a Savior by his nature. He saves us from wherever we are at, whatever we are going through. He is on our side. If you have our booklets, these are all listed in your booklets. So you don't have to memorize those or write those down. And so there's a lot of comfort that comes when we see that the God who is on our side looks like this. 
The God who is on our side brings these things into our lives. The God who is on our side has promised us that we are not alone in this fight. And though, even though, as we have talked about Satan and demons and things like that, that might be potentially a bit overwhelming or a little bit scary, we've talked throughout the series of how we don't have to be afraid because this is the God who is on our side. And if God is for us, then who can stand against us? We want to be alert, we want to be aware, we want our eyes open. We are never afraid because we are not alone. And so in this spiritual fight, we have a part to play. We still go out onto the field. We still go out to take the land back. We still do some pushing. And yet as we do that, we understand that we're not doing that by ourselves, that there is a powerful force on our side who has promised to never leave us or forsake us. And it's his power at work in us and through us. And where the word of God says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. God has declared war on the enemy in your life. And God has already won the fight. And so we are there to live out that victory and to walk in that victory. So our job is to do that. Our job is to fight the good fight of faith, 1 Timothy 6.12. Our job is to keep fighting. And, and part of the nature of the fight is sometimes we get weary. Sometimes we get discouraged. Sometimes we get frustrated. Sometimes we, we don't feel like we have a lot of fight in us. And yet we are called to keep fighting, to fight the good fight of the faith. There was a famous boxer at the turn of the 20th century, and he won most of his fights. And he was asked, what's your big secret? How do you keep winning over and over and over again? And he said, I just keep getting up. That's, that's the, the secret, apparently, to being a heavyweight boxing champion. He says, I just keep getting up. And as long as I get up more than the other guy gets up, I'll win that fight. And so he kept at it, and he had this, this attitude of, you know what, we might take a punch here and there, and it's not always easy, but we fight, and we fight, and we fight, and we fight. We don't grow weary. We keep fighting, because the victory is promised to us if we keep fighting the fight. I only lose if I quit. If I quit, there's no promise given to me. Galatians 6 uh, verse 9 says that let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And so there is a timing to God that we don't always understand. We want things done quickly. God does not do things quickly all the time. We want our victory right now. God doesn't always release it right now. We don't always know why. But we want to make sure that we are holding this in our hearts, that we don't become weary in doing good. And as we've talked about warfare, we've talked about there's a tremendous amount of warfare that happens in prayer where we call upon God and we call upon his power and we, we pray against the enemy and pray against his plans and pray against the, the demonic and, and call for angelic protection. And there's so much warfare that happens in prayer. If we're not praying, we're not fighting. But beyond that, there is more to warfare than just prayer because we've talked about warfare is anywhere that we're doing good against what the enemy wants to do. Anywhere we're doing the positive opposite of what the enemy is trying to do. So if the enemy is sowing division, we take steps towards unity. If the enemy is sowing deception, we take steps towards truth. If the enemy is sowing discouragement, we take steps towards encouragement. We do the positive, godly, opposite thing. And every time we do good in those ways, we are pushing the darkness back. And so it's not just our prayer, it's certainly that, but it's with our words and with our actions and with our finances and in lots of different ways we can engage in warfare. So don't become weary in doing that good. Don't, be, don't become weary in, in choosing the right way and doing the right thing and choosing the Christ-like way, the loving way, the sacrificial way, the other-centered way. Because at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. 
There's no harvest promised if we do give up. And so that if is important. So we press on and we press on and we press on. Proverbs 24, 16 says, Though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. He gets up off the mat. Though a righteous person stumbles and struggles, he gets up over and over and over again, just like that boxer. Pastor Mesh often uses the, the phrase, I'm stumbling towards heaven. Uh, and it's such a good picture of, of understanding, yeah, we're not perfect, and life is not always easy, and yet we are moving and we are pressing forward, we are persevering, we are not quitting. Though a righteous person falls seven times, they will rise again. What I love about that is that there's something about the rising where that righteous person isn't losing the title of righteousness because they fall. They fall seven times. They're still called righteous. Why? Because they keep getting up again and again and again and again. And though we stumble in sin and we stumble in trials and we stumble in our flesh and we, we stumble and struggle in many ways, the mark of righteousness is do you get up again when that happens? We only lose if we quit. And so though we stumble, though we struggle, we get up. And though we stumble over and 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 over again. Does that sound like your life? Over and over and over and over and over. We rise up and we rise up and we rise up and we rise up. We rise up, we rise up, we rise up, we rise up again. Because that is a mark of righteousness in the people of God, that we don't stay down. We rise up again. Jesus is all about rising. It's kind of important to him. He's a resurrection guy. We rise up, and we rise up, and we rise up, and we keep pushing, and we keep fighting. We don't stop along the way. James 5, 11 says, as you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Job was involved in his own spiritual warfare, if you remember that story. Uh, Satan had an agenda, a clear one, to take Job down. And so you've heard of that perseverance. Job pressed through. Job got knocked down, but he didn't stay down. Job got up again. Job kept fighting. Job kept pushing. Job kept pressing. The victory is promised if we persevere. And many, many other scriptures of the New Testament that make clear that we are to do that over and over and over again. Because Jesus in Revelation 21.5 says, Behold, I am making all things new. I had a prof in seminary who said, that's the gospel in three words, all things new. All things new. Jesus is in the process of making all things new. And the cross and the resurrection, and that's all a huge part of it, but that's God's agenda. Where Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy, God's agenda is to make all things new. And so where we face different things in our lives, this promise is given to us that God wants to make your heart new and your mind new and your relationships new. He wants to restore you and transform you. He wants to make your holiness new. He wants to make your marriage new and your children renewed. He has promised this for all things. And so whatever struggle you are facing in your life right now, wherever the enemy might be at work, wherever there is, there is circumstances coming against you, the, the only criteria required to come under the blessing of this promise is whatever you are facing, is it a thing? Because Jesus wants to make all things new. And so where we sometimes can't see the, the good that's coming, we can't see the breakthrough coming, we can lose hope in these things, where Satan whispers, this marriage is never going to get better, you're never going to overcome that sin, this is just always going to be hard for you, whatever you're facing, there's never going to be transformation, you're never going to get control of your thought life, you're never going to get better in any way. When Satan says that, Jesus says, actually, I'm making all things new. I'm making all things new. 
That's what he does. He takes things that are broken and sinful and hurting and defeated, and he restores and redeems and recreates and makes them new again. We are in this process of renewal in every way. We only lose if we quit. And as long as we keep pushing, this is the promise of Jesus for our life. So because of that, God's word says, be strong and courageous. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Joshua 1.9. And Joshua was Moses' second in command. And when Moses died, Joshua is now in charge of the nation of Israel. And they are about to head into the promised land. So Joshua has a big job ahead of him. He has to take Israel in and take the land that God has promised. And there were giants in the land. There were forces that were scary. There were legitimate reasons to be afraid. And so God shows up in Joshua's life and says, Hey, be strong and courageous because you're not doing this by yourself. You're not alone. I'm going to be with you every step of the way. I'm going to be with you wherever you go. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be timid. Don't hold back. There is power on your side that is greater than anything that you face. So God says in Isaiah 41.10, Do not fear, therefore, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, surely I will help you, surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. We are promised strength. We are promised help. We are promised to be upheld. And God just says, with my righteous right hand, with all of my strength, with everything that I have, I am on your side. You are not alone in this. So when Paul is talking about this in our passage today from Romans 8, he brings it back to Jesus, as Paul always does. In verse 34, he says, Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Paul says, this is the standard that you're starting from as a follower of Jesus. A few verses earlier, he has said, God has given us his son. His son has died for us. And if God was willing to give up that, how will he not graciously give us everything else that we need? All things that we need. If the starting point is Jesus, for those who follow after Jesus, if the starting point is the cross and resurrection, if that's how much God was willing to give you to get you through this life and to get you to eternity, how would God possibly withhold anything else that you need? When Jesus is the starting point. Jesus who died more than that who was raised to life. I love that little aside in the middle there. That Jesus went to the cross and at the cross he took on the consequences of our sins. He took them all on himself. And yet that wasn't the end. That's already pretty good. But more than that he was raised to life. So death doesn't become the end anymore. Death doesn't become something to fear because death has been defeated. The grave has been swallowed up in victory, Scripture says. And so Jesus has dealt with our sin. He has dealt with our death. And even that's not the end of the story because it says right now he is seated in the seat of glory at the right hand of God and is praying for you here in this moment. Jesus is on your side right now. He is rooting for you right now. He is cheering for you right now. You are not alone, whatever you are facing. Not only did he die for you, not only did he rise for you, he continually intercedes for you. He's on your side. You are not alone. The one who conquered death is on your side. Anytime Jesus walked the earth and encountered Satan, there was no contest the, the, I don't know exactly how many encounters there were, but the, the final tally is Satan zero, Jesus wins every time. 
And there was never a time where Jesus was not fully in control. And even as he goes to the cross and it looks like Satan is winning, it's actually this great switcheroo thing happening where Jesus is actually doing exactly what he needs to do to deal with our sin and deal with our death. Satan loses every time. And the, the one who has beaten him every single time is the one who loves you and the one who has called you, the one who has chosen you, the one who fights for you. He's on your side. You are not alone. Colossians 2.15 says that Jesus has disarmed the powers and authorities, the powers of hell, the demonic powers. He has disarmed them and made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Where they thought they were taking him out, the demons were actually just playing right into God's plan. And there was nothing there happening that God was not fully orchestrating and in control of. And it says that Jesus has disarmed them. He has triumphed over them, past tense. And we've talked throughout the series of how we live in this tension now between the already and the not yet. And so we have uh, been given this victory. It has already been won at the cross. The cross was the great turning point. And yet we know it has not yet fully been realized yet. It has not fully been completely in place. And we know that Satan is still at work in the world. And so we are in this place of tension where the victory is already won, but not yet fully realized. But because it has begun at the cross, we now live out of that victory we preach that victory we live out that that in everything that we do pushing the darkness back as we see the victory enforced more and more as the kingdom of God more and more pushes darkness back as the kingdom of God takes over this planet and so we put all of our hope in that we said the first week victory isn't what we're fighting for it's what we're fighting from we are fighting from the place of victory and so we're not fighting from a place of victimhood and what happened to me and, and or what I deserved or what I was entitled to there's no room for that in the gospel because in the gospel there's just this this transformational thing that happens where Jesus says I have triumphed over hell by the cross and by my resurrection and now I invite you to share in that victory and even in places where maybe we legitimately have been wronged and we legitimately have suffered, uh, you know, we acknowledge these things. We don't blow past them. But even in those areas of our life, Jesus is coming to make all things new. He is coming to heal and restore. We don't stay the way we are. We get better. We get stronger. We get healed. We get restored. We get redeemed. There is nothing that we can do to lose in this unless we quit. I only lose if I quit. Even if I die today, I still win. I'm still victorious in that moment. First service was a lot livelier than you guys are. <laughs> we only lose if we quit. And so Paul talks about these things. He says, you know what? Some of us are facing death for the sake of following after Jesus. There's a, a, a possibility that we might give up our lives in order to proclaim this gospel. And yet that's not losing in Paul's eyes. He says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, nothing, in other words. He could have gone on and on and on. Neither this nor that. Neither hot nor cold. Neither up nor down. Like he could have gone on and on and on. He's saying there's just nothing that gets in the way now. We have been joined to the one who is victorious, and so we are victorious. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
It's his victory in the cross and the resurrection. He gives that to us. We get to share in that with him. He graciously invites us to the victorious life. And so he says in Romans 8 that we are more than conquerors. Not just conquerors, but more than that. And the struggle of that phrase is I don't feel like that always in my life. I don't always feel like I'm conquering over my sin. I don't always feel like I'm conquering over my circumstances. I'm not always strong and courageous. I'm not always just completely sold out for faith. I do struggle with doubt and fear sometimes. I do feel defeated some days. And yet the word of God comes. God speaks to us. says, you're more than a conqueror. I don't feel like I'm more than a conqueror today. Doesn't matter. You're more than a conqueror because God has said it. Thus saith the Lord. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. You are more than a conqueror. And if I'm not feeling that in my life and that feeling is in contradiction with God's word, which one is more correct? Always. The word is always right. And so if I'm not feeling like a conqueror, then I pray into the scripture and I ask for God to make the scripture come alive in me and go deep into my soul and produce a harvest. I ask for God to let me grow in my faith and my understanding today so that I can live this out. I can walk in that confidence. I can walk in that strength because God's word is already right. Whether you feel like it or not, he has proclaimed you a conqueror. Whether you feel like you're winning or not, he has proclaimed you a winner. Whether you feel like you're victorious or not, he has proclaimed you victorious. That is what the word of God says. And so in the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter 2, it talks about uh, enemies rising up, people who oppose God, uh, people who oppose his plans, oppose his purposes. Uh, I think subtext there of just the enemy in general and, and the powers of hell, just all those who oppose themselves against the plans and purposes of God. And Psalm 2, 4 says, the one enthroned in heaven laughs, the Lord scoffs at them. Scoff is a great word. You know what scoff means? <laughs> it's a disdainful, dismissive action. It's, you've got to be joking, is the subtext of a scoff. And so when Satan rises up and says, I'll take on the throne of God, Jesus' reaction is, and when Satan says, I'm going to destroy your marriage, or I'm going to take your kids away from Jesus, or I'm going to attack you in this way, or attack you in that way, we can get overwhelmed by that stuff, but God laughs at that agenda. God says, you'll only lose if you quit, because Jesus is laughing at your problems right now. Not laughing at your heartache and, and legitimate things, but laughing at the problem. Because where I can be overwhelmed by my circumstances, Jesus is never overwhelmed ever. Jesus is never worried about what I am facing. He is worried for me because he loves me. He's concerned for me, but he's not worried about the problem because this is the God for whom death was no big deal. This is the God who rose from the dead without a problem. And I've quoted this scripture many times here from Acts. It says that when Jesus rose from the dead, it wasn't because there was this great cosmic you know, struggle in the grave and, and Jesus and Satan were head to head and it was a close call, but Jesus eked it out. The Bible says that Jesus rose from the grave on Sunday morning. He came out of the tomb because it simply wasn't possible for death to keep its hold on him. It just wasn't possible. Jesus was too big for death itself. He just could not be held down. It was a foregone conclusion from the moment he laid down his life that there was going to be a very different end to this story. 
that death was no big deal. This was death with all of its power and weight and finality trying to wrap itself around the Son of God and Jesus scoffing, going, get off. And walking out of the tomb triumphant. Because from that point on, sin was dealt with. From that point on, death was dealt with. So whatever circumstance I'm facing in my life right now, it's not bigger than all the sin of the world and death. And Jesus already beat that. So the beginning of our passage today said, if God has given Jesus for us, how will he not graciously give us everything else, all things that we need in order to get through this life together? And so as we get up into this area of spiritual warfare, and I know for many of us this was brand new. There's a lot of new stuff in this series. The, the, the call, the heart, the, the prayer that we have had as a leadership for us as a church is that we would just rise up into this stuff. We would rise up into who we are. We would stop looking at ourselves as victims, stop looking at ourselves as, as defeated. And, and even as we embrace legitimate struggles and legitimate trials and legitimate hardship in our lives, we would have a view of victory. Because if I die today and I go to heaven, what else can take me down? I win even if I lose that fight against death. And yet, even as I am raised again and seated with him, that is victory there. I win. In every situation, unless I quit. If I quit, there's no promise for me to win. And so we are called over and over again to press on, to fight, to run the race, to persevere, to keep going, to rise up. If you get knocked down, get up again. And it's been so awesome to see in this series the rising up that has been happening. As men are saying, I'm praying for my wife in a new way. I'm praying with my kids in a new way. As families are saying, we're going to come up and push back against this thing. We're not just going to let the enemy have his way. We're actually going to do some pushing. We're going to do some damage. We're going to push the power of hell back. We're going to choose the good way. We're going to choose the good, loving way. We only lose if we quit because we have been given the victory already in Jesus. In Revelation 17, 14, as we come to the end of time, and as Jesus wraps up all the loose ends of this victory, it says the Lamb will triumph over them because he is the Lord of lords and King of kings. And with him will be his called, chosen, and faithful followers. That's us. Jesus will win because he is Lord of lords. He's going to win because he's bigger. He wins because he's greater, and he is on our side. We are not alone in this fight. Come on up, worship team. We're just about done. A couple more things. If you have any questions at all about this or about the series in general, we have an email address, questions at meadowbrook.ca. It's in your bulletin as well. And we'd be happy to take some time to answer those questions and keep the conversation going. We really do enjoy uh, the conversations that we have. In World War II, uh, before America jumped in, America jumped in a few years later than we did and, and most of the world did. America was trying really hard to stay out of the war if they could. Nobody wanted war. And so America was doing what they could to, to stay out and yet there was lots of tension between America and Japan and America and Germany. And so America and Germany were not at war yet. America and Japan were getting pretty close to war. They were trying to negotiate and keep the peace. And, uh, and at the same time, America was building up its navy in Hawaii, because Hawaii is the closest spot to Japan from America. And so they thought, we might be going to war. We got to get ready for this war. So they started building up their navy uh, in Hawaii, and they were slapping economic sanctions and things on Japan. There was just a lot going on in the world. And so Japan decides, we need to attack America before they attack us. We need to hit them first. And so they hit Pearl Harbor. And you might remember there was a movie a few years ago that told the story. And so there wasn't a state of war.
war was a bit of a sneak attack uh, in the American viewpoint. It was a, a dastardly stab in the back. In the Japanese viewpoint, it was a preemptive strike because they thought they were going to get hit first. And uh, it was definitely out of the blue. There was nothing that was kind of preparing America for it, uh, and they got hit hard. And in terms of just the, the operation itself, it was militarily brilliant. Like, they accomplished everything they wanted to do. They destroyed many ships. They killed many people. They hardly lost anybody at all. So in terms of just a, a purely tactical sense, it was almost a flawless execution. It accomplished everything that they wanted it to accomplish. And Admiral Yamamoto was the one who had pulled this all off. It was his plan. He put it together. And so because it was seen as this great victory, he was getting all these congratulations and everybody was, uh, was just heaping the praise on him because it had been such a smooth and well-executed event. And he always put off those, those compliments. He was not willing to receive any of that. And he said uh, famously, I fear all we have done is to awaken a sleeping giant and fill him with a terrible resolve. And that actually was, in fact, exactly what happened. America was out of the war, and now they are in the war, and now they are mad, and Japan got utterly destroyed in the rest of the conflict, including nuclear bombs that came on them. And so he understood, you know, just because we've won this, this little uh, skirmish here does not mean we've won the war. And in fact, they lost the war because America rose up with fury. They were united where they had been divided about the war before and just with one voice, with one uh, just sense of purpose, they took it to Germany and took it to Japan and turned the tide of the war for all of us. And I've been praying into this series for months and especially in the last weeks. Uh, and there was something about this statement. I actually really believe this is the word of the Lord for us as a church. This is something that God is speaking to us uh, about us. And not that we were sleeping necessarily before, but that there has been a waking up at Meadowbrook Church. There is a rising up that is good and is godly. There is something that we maybe weren't aware of before and now we're aware of. We didn't maybe have the tools before, but hopefully we have some tools now. But there is a waking up and everywhere where Satan is afflicting, although it can seem scary and maybe at times can seem overwhelming, that's actually just an amazing place for God to move in in a powerful way to make all things new in your life. And so where Satan has been hitting marriages, now we can see clearly what he's up to and say, here's the problem, now we know how to deal with it. Where he's bringing us discouragement or division or, or depression or whatever he has been up to, we can see these things coming now. We are aware of what he's up to. The Bible says we are not unaware of his schemes. We are alert, our eyes are open, and now as we see these things, God is doing awesome things now in marriage and in mental health and in all of these things because Satan is no longer in the darkness and in the shadows. We've shone a big spotlight of God's word on what he's up to and we've exposed him for who he is and God is doing awesome things. And so don't stop this now. The series is over. I'm glad the series is over. If I'm being honest, I'm feeling spiritually drained a little bit. One of the life group leaders said to me a couple weeks ago, we're heading into Christmas, said, oh, it'll be nice to get to some baby Jesus for the next few weeks from here. But even though the series is done, the fight is not done. And our, our hope and our prayer was that you would have some practical tools, you would have insight and understanding, you would know some things to pray or some things to do in order to, to anywhere in your life look around and say, where can I push the darkness back in my life? Where can I push him back in my marriage, in my children, in my workplace, in my interactions with people, in my finances, wherever? Where can I push the enemy back? Because we are promised in scripture that the battle belongs to the Lord. We don't fight alone. He is on our side. He is with us. The battle belongs to the Lord. 
we've been here for a while. This is where we've been, just by way of a quick recap. We started off at the beginning of October with a war already won, and Pastor Xavier built all these slides for us, that we start from a place of victory always. We start from that place, and we move from there. Week two was Know Your Enemy. We talked about Satan and what the Bible says about Satan and, and who he is and how he fell and everything that goes with that. We took a week to talk about angels and demons and just the, the very mysterious and yet uh, powerful aspect of the spiritual realm that we don't always understand. We looked at what the Bible had to say about both of those. We took a week to talk about enemy tactics and just what are some of the things Satan actually does uh, to bring chaos and to steal and kill and destroy in our lives so that we could have our eyes open and be aware. We took a week to talk about the lie of the enemy, the power of the lie, because Jesus said he's a liar, he's the father of lies, and, and that's one of the key things that he does is gets us to misunderstand God, misunderstand ourselves, misunderstand one another and all the damage he can do and how we come against that lie with the truth. We took a week to talk about the armor of God, spiritual self-defense, spiritual principles, and practical things we can do to keep ourselves safe in the spiritual fight. We did a week called Taking the Offensive, the weapons of our warfare. We don't want to just sit around and wait for the enemy to attack. We want to take the fight to him. We want to actively, proactively push the kingdom of darkness back. So we looked at some of those weapons. We wrapped it up today with not alone, that God is on our side. The one who conquered death fights for you fights with you. We are not alone in this conflict. So that is a wrap, a series wrap on the good fight, and we hope it has been helpful for you. We hope you've learned some important things. We hope you have a new sense of that resolve as we push back the darkness in our lives. And as we close, we've been talking throughout the series about how worship is our warfare, where the presence of God shows up when we worship. We declare the truth as we worship. We join together in unity as we worship, and these are all weapons against the enemy. So we want to do that before we go. So I'll ask you to stand and join with us and then we'll close in prayer. Lord, we honor you because you are the one who has loved us, who has made us, who has watched over us, who has died for us, who has risen for us, who intercedes for us still, who has filled us with his Holy Spirit and who has promised that you would never leave us or forsake us, that you would be with us always even until the end of the age. And so we put all of our hope and our trust in that God for whom sin was dealt with and for whom death was no big deal. We put our hope in the power and strength of the God who is above all things and who is on our side. And if God is for us, then who can be against us? We trust and we rest in that God. And we thank you that you are always with us, that we are not alone in this fight. And everywhere we go in our life, Lord, uh, we would be strong and courageous for you are with us everywhere that we go and that we would push the darkness back, that the victory of Jesus would be realized everywhere in our families, in our marriages, in our kids, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our culture, our town, in our churches, that the victory of Jesus would be fully realized as we rise up to be who you've called us to be, as we push back against the darkness in all areas and as your kingdom forcefully advances everywhere we go. Let us see the fullness of this, Lord, and strengthen us, give us perseverance, help us to push through, to fight the good fight, to run the race with perseverance, to press on and press through as we walk in that victory and trust in your victory and call forth that victory here on earth. We ask for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to open the altars. If you want prayer for anything, we'll invite you forward. We have people who be happy to pray with you. If you don't want to pray, we're going to ask you to move out into the lobby and do your visiting out there just so this can be a place of prayer today. So come on forward.